it's the Bumble Butt Podcast. Tel Aviv. Yeah, what a dickhead. He's over there fucking around with conflict He's, diamonds. Yeah, I was gonna say, definitely getting blood diamonds. Oh, dude, sure. I think it's wedding day diamonds. Like, they're the other one that advertises all the time. And in the one of their newer ones, they're just like, I go to Thailand, or Bangkok, Thailand, <laughs> every two months or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you're going there for diamonds, yeah. but He's going there for the ladyboy tour. It's a nice sexual tour. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we got a care package coming, by the way. Ooh. Do we? Yep. Uh-oh. All the way from past Canada, back into America. Okay, so Russia. Yep. <laughs> Japan, Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, what else is over there? I mean, none of those are over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you curve. Well, like, Russia kind of is, because Sarah yeah. Palin can see it from her house. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where it's from, is Sarah Palinville. Alaska? That's correct. Oh, shit. All right. We're getting two packages. Getting salmon? Uh, Possibly sockeye. Ooh. Canned sockeye and mm. canned venison. Mm, canned venison? That. Uh-huh. And two jars of butter. Okay. I know what you're talking about now. I know what you're talking about now. Jordan, I think when you say canned venison, I think my mom and dad do it too, where they just like cook the meat and put it in the mason jar and mm. then boil it mm-hmm. and then seals it. Uh. And then, like, they always use it for, like, you dump it in stroganoff. Oh, like a set of, mm-hmm. Deer stroganoff instead of beef stroganoff. Yeah. It's actually surprisingly good. I'm a huge fan of deer stroganoff. I'm, I'm a huge fan of anything venison. Wow. Even the testicles? Fucking right. That's the best part. Can you eat deer balls? I don't see why you couldn't. You need anything if you try hard mm. enough. I don't. I don't hunt. Obviously, like how big are deer's balls? Like, are they like? You know, I've never taken the yeah. time to find out. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me Wait, neither. You, you never jacked off a deer after you shot it, Jordan? No, hmm. not not in my memory. I mean, it could be repressed. <laughs> I've never gotten a deer. Oh, you've never killed one? Never. Really? I've gotten one yeah. when I was a kid. It was a doe. Mm. Was it with your car? No. <laughs> no, I'm not my boss or my coworker. They're smoking them like crazy or what? Well, so my boss, probably last October or November, just driving down one of the roads by his house to get to a job, had one of the trailers hooked up. Deer runs out and hits the fender of the trailer and dies. Just two, three weeks ago, fucking, he was driving back to his house to get something for the job we were on. Oh, he had to get water and shit. Right. And he was driving up the exit ramp, and he saw one, and it was coming towards him, so he slowed down, then it turned the other way, so he was like, alright, cool, he's not coming up this way anymore, so I'm not gonna hit him, so he, you know, sped up again a little bit. Deer turns around, runs straight into the side of his fucking truck. <laughs> no, it was suicidal. He just he needed, he wanted a running start <laughs> yeah, before his demise, exactly. he didn't want to hit it slow. He's like, ooh, the 2015 Ram 2500, I'm gonna fucking hit that thing. This is my birthday death day, baby. <laughs> I still find it so odd when you see deer running around in the middle of the city. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it, yeah. to me it's weird because growing up in a rural area, it's just like, you see them in fields or whatever, but you mm-hmm. never expect to be in the middle of a shopping center and no. see a yeah. fucking deer Just run by. Just hauling ass yeah. past. Well, I, I did read something from, like, the Wisconsin DNR that they're actually releasing, like, 20,000 more tags this hunting season because oh. there's been a huge explosion in the population Good. and they're just acting weird. Like, they're coming out at all hours of the day instead of, like, more, you know, sunrise and dusk. Vampirism, mm. vampire deers. Mm. Would that? Would you be scared of a vampire deer? Yes. Like you're sleeping and you woke up with a deer sucking yes. the blood out yes. of your neck. Yes. Okay. <laughs> step one, I'd be like, "Why is there a fucking stag in my apartment?" <laughs> and step two, 
What do I do about this? Okay, so the first word would be, why is there a deer in my apartment not? Why is he sucking blood yes. out of me? Yes, okay. I mean, that's step one. He's not <laughs> supposed to be there. He knows that. I know that. <laughs> the laws of man know that, but somehow he's there anyway. That sounds like an amazing joke to play on your friend. Like, he passes out drunk, and then you just fill his room with, like, wild stags. That's a good call, I think. <laughs> yeah. I Make really sure. think that would go over. <laughs> Maybe put some, like, pheromones in the air, too, to get him all riled up. Like, right on his butthole. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See he's what getting, happens. He's getting hung by deers all night. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Sorry. and welcome to another episode of the Bubble Up Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me is Cody. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Adam? Fired out of a cannon. That's how I am. <laughs> mm. I'm ready to get to Friday so I can get the fuck out of work for a little bit. Mm, That's yeah. what I'm excited for. Yeah, we are recording early today. It is hump day. It is. Which is fine. Get it in. It's like, it's, yeah, I guess technically you're closer to the weekend than you are not, so Definitely. I guess that's a positive. Yeah. I mean, there's just two more, 16 <laughs> two work more, hours left. Two more awful days left in mm-hmm. the week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two sweaty, disgusting days. Left. Oh yeah, the heat's keep gonna keep going on. We had two nice days, two yeah. like beautiful days yep. here. Definitely. And I was uh, starting to slowly sweat again today. Mm. We're getting back to the mugginess, which mm. doesn't help my little chest condition. That's for sure. No. But uh, also sitting across from me is Jordan. How are you? I'm I'm doing quite well. How are you? Well, Cody already asked. Yeah, you did, <laughs> and I'm doing good. Uh, Jordan. You took a little uh, Mason facial today, did you? I did. What happened? Uh, the boss man was up on a ladder just doing some dumb little shit, and he threw a troll down to me to pack up and get out, and I did not catch it. It hit the floor, and it still had a shitload of mortar on it, and it just kind of exploded up into my face, mm. and... A nice big glob went directly onto my eyeball. Hell yeah. And I'm sure your uh, contacts, which are, were supposed to be safety glasses, <laughs> I'm sure they held up just fine. Oh, definitely. That's why well, I took one out on the drive home. <laughs> see if they, see that, the mortar would have glued it to your eyes, so then you would have never had to wear, wear glasses again. Oh, shit, I fucked up, forever. guys. <laughs> you would have had perfect 2020. God, you're so stupid, Jordan. <laughs> Instead, you ripped it out like an idiot. And now you're wearing mini telescopes on your <laughs> You're goddamn right I am. <laughs> Mr. Magoo's back in the building, baby. <laughs> He actually came in here with a cane, too. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was it was great. And he was walking like a right angle, all hunched over. Uh, Cody, why don't you take this away, and let's get down to business. Should we? Well, we we have quite, quite the character we're going to be covering here, probably over the next three weeks. That's what I'm estimating. A three-parter. It's been a long time since we've had a multi-parter, I it believe. It is. This one, uh, I... I there's, like, no, no way to explain this. Once we get into it, you're going to understand why this guy is such a fucking weird character. But we're going to learn a lot about, like, early, Amer- well, I should say, early 1900s medical stuff. That's what I'm talking so about. So, it's not too gross, like, murder-wise, but it's going to be, you're going to be sitting here like, what the fuck is going on right now? That's what I like to hear. <laughs> How is this considered medicine? <laughs> if you don't say what the fuck is going on right now, then I, I don't know. Excellent. But maybe we can bring this back. Maybe this will repopularize the surgeries and stuff, maybe. Perfect. I'm I'm right in this time period. I watched that tank show last week. Mm. I'm ready to I'm ready to be in the nineteen hundreds, baby. <laughs> well, you'll have yeah. to tell me if they mention any of this stuff in the tank documentary. <laughs> you know what? I don't think they do. <laughs> so in a time period shortly before World War I, there were two brothers who owned a chain of anatomical museums located around the U.S. Their names were Willis and Wallace Reinhardt. The point of their museum were for the documentation and cure of... Men's secret diseases. <laughs> <laughs> why, does, why does my pee-pee get hard when I see some ankle? <laughs> That's, That's immediately what disease. you thought of. A men's secret disease, Jordan, you thought of impotence immediately? No, random boners. Mm. No reason boners. Well, you nailed it. One of their most prominent museums was actually in Minneapolis <gasps> and was called the Dying Custer. Hmm. So I'm going to explain the display on the outside was literally Custer laying there dead, shot up by arrows, and they had like all this stuff, and it was basically a large symbolism for men's inability to get a heart on. 
And this oh. was in Minneapolis here. I don't know where, but it was somewhere here. Did he have like a I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. It's just like it was supposed to be symbolic to like get people's attention. Do you remember Custer's last stand on <laughs> yeah. Atari? Yep. <laughs> like he's it wasn't tied referring to his boner. <laughs> he was fucking an Indian and avoiding arrows in that mm-hmm. one. Well. It's one of those X-rated Atari <laughs> games. Then they caught him fucking an Indian and chick, 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 chick. Mm-hmm. yeah. I see where we're going with this. So, their museums were largely for the display and knowledge of syphilis used to scare their potential customers into buying their abadaba juice (laughs) (laughs) that would most certainly cure the horrid disease. Oh my god. So they were hucksters. This whole episode, (laughs) these whole three episodes are hucksters. (laughs) Nothing but hucksters. Oh, I love this. Yeah, that's great. While the Reinhardts are not the focus of our episode, the main figure of our story worked for them, and to a lesser extent, it would give you an idea of how these quack doctors actually operated. If you would want to work for such an establishment, you would first need to head to the Vienna Medical Institute in Chicago, begin training in sales, graduate from their (laughs) instantaneous medical college... Followed by a bit more training. The Vienna Medical Institute of Chicago. (laughs) Like, go fuck yourself, asshole. Oh, I'm getting a triple bypass. Where did you study, doctor? Oh, the Vienna Medical Institute in Chicago. Oh, that sounds great. What's your degree in? Instantaneous. (laughs) Sales. I graduated really fast, buddy. Listen, I I went there for one semester. I got you. (laughs) Recruits were given a white coat, Mm. asked to grow a Van Dyke hairdo, and made to practice their sales pitch. Once they were released onto the customers, they would give a tour of the exhibits, which, of course, was always free of admission, and they were expected to nail 20% of all potential customers, or they were fired instantly. God damn. So if you weren't hustling, baby, you were out the fucking door. Jesus. 20% doesn't sound bad. That's one-fifth. They estimated, like, if you get 40 customers a day... How many was did they say it was like eight or nine or something mm. like that yeah. so gotta remember you're conning people jordan so it's not as easy yeah. as like i mean know. if you're good enough with scare tactics though i think you can get you can get that number up to about 50 <laughs> pump the numbers up <laughs> those are rookie numbers <laughs> around this time our main character would be working at one of their museums he would first start by waiting for a customer to enter the door then swiftly give the man a tour, making sure to show immense amount of compassion, while at the same time spreading fear into the customer. They would take the customer through each exhibit, displaying a male penis with worsening (laughs) forms of how syphilis affects a man. Oh, Lord. Growing more disfigured and changing its colors with each passing pain. A smart salesman might even throw out the mention of leprosy just to intensify the fear. Until they would reach the last exhibit, only known as the boy. Oh? Oh? (laughs) The display would be pitch black until the customer got close. Then the lights would illuminate the scene and a huge sign hung that said, Lost Manhood. And a grinning wax face of an idiot with dripping yellow eyes came into view. Oh, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) The quack would convince the man, You do not want to end up like this poor schmuck. You need the tonic to not only save your manhood, but also your life. Mm. What was $20 for your life? The second they purchased the tonic, they would swiftly be escorted out the door. (laughs) And this is where our protagonist would learn an important lesson in how to be a con man, a false doctor, and one of America's worst known quacks. (laughs) (laughs) This man was named John... I think this is Romulus. Definitely Romulus. (laughs) Like the fucking Star Trek things. (laughs) Romulus and Rebus, man. No, those are Romulans. Oh, Romulans. Okay. But their planet is called Romulus. Yeah. Is it? I think so. Yes. (laughs) Maybe his parents were big Star Trek fans. I think so. (laughs) Probably. So John Romulus Brinkley, born July 8th, 1885 in Beta, North Carolina. (laughs) Beta was a small town tucked away in the Smoky Mountains. It was known to be so desolate, 
It was fairly rare to even run into a random stranger, which is probably why young Brinkley, young Brink, <laughs> is a fucking name now, <laughs> young Brinkley would escape the town of Beta whenever he could. Not too much is really known about Brinkley's childhood outside of that he grew up there. So when he left Beta, did he move to the bustling city of Alpha? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he moved Maybe to Omega. Omega. <laughs> oh. He sounds like a fucking hillbilly, though, that's for sure. Oh, yes, he yeah. is. He is. But he's a smart hillbilly. He's a real yuckster. While it isn't confirmed, it is believed that before Brinkley reached 20 years old, he started his training with a bit of a touring medicine man show known as a quack doctor. The scheme <laughs> the scheme was pretty simple. They would set up a stage near town and wait until night arrived. They would then unveil the platform with torches on each corner and wait for the audience to begin gathering. Then either a fiddler or dancer would get onto stage yeah. <laughs> and begin to perform to get the audience warmed up. You need an opener. You always need I an opener. I feel like Jordan could do this. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like get he just on stage getting them ready. Then a short play about morality followed. In the play, a noble head of a house or ringletted female died because of their lack of the miracle tonic. Of course. Then entered the doctor on stage with a dinner plate hat, cutaway coat, and pious pants that buttoned up on the sides. He would then display that he indeed had the miracle tonic that could save them all, which could be either Ayer's cathartic pills Burdock blood bitters or Ann Fanny's worm candy. <laughs> it didn't really matter what what it was. It would cure what it needed to be. Yeah. And this was their con, and it was very easy for them to pull off. And I'm Snake sure they oil. ripped off. Yes. Seems a lot like that one scene in Sweeney Todd, mm. where they're selling the bald cure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did they just dance on stage and then have the bald cure? Bald cure. Yeah. Never that's saw exactly it. That's what happened. Is that yeah. It? yeah. Okay. So, America had a rich history in dealing with medical fraud. In 1893, at the World's Fair in Chicago, a man dressed as a cowboy appeared on stage and strangled rattlesnakes by the dozen. Fucking good. (laughs) What came out of them, the cowboy would call snake oil, and people ate that shit up. I thought it was older than that, Yeah, but apparently this is when this guy did it. God Apparently. damn. You know what? Uh. I was going to call bullshit because mm. Red Dead Redemption 1. <laughs> they have snake oil. There's like that old snake oil man that you save. Mm. But uh, yeah, that takes place after 1893. So I guess that makes sense. I, I'd i be scared to strangle a rattlesnake, wouldn't you? Like, this guy's can got you it ju- figured. Can you just like get I'm not. I'm not touching it. I'm not <laughs> yeah. touching a snake. I'm not going to conduct the experiment. No. And what comes out of them? Just like. The I venom, right? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Someone strangle a rattlesnake and I don't tell come us. Come from the <laughs> ultimate orgasm. It could become. <laughs> he just jizzes everywhere. Mm, snake jizz. <laughs> Even take a prominent figure in the founding of this country, Doctor Benjamin Rush, close friend of the founders, signer of the Declaration of <laughs> Independence, and by common consent, the father of American medicine. Even many years after his death, was still known as one of the nation's best physicians. But in reality, he was a literal death machine. <laughs> Although, of course, he believed what he was doing was correct. Ugh. See, when you say uh-huh. death machine, all I can think of is just like a spinning box with axes on it, dude. He Let's probably make a think, death he probably thinks that cures like diarrhea or something. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of Benjamin Rush? I haven't. Apparently, he's uh, he thought he was doing the right thing, but right. So Rush favored bombing the body with mercury laced calomel, oh, which caused rampant diarrhea, bleeding of the gums, and uncontrollable drooling. Woo! Just sounds like a normal day for me. <laughs> Blistering with hot irons, which had no purpose at all. He just did it, like branding you, or yeah, like, he oh. just he just burned you. Oh, he's just sadistic fuck. <laughs> He loved tobacco smoke enemas. Oh, <laughs> let me smoke a cig and blow it up your ass. <laughs> Bleeding by the pint, a.k.a. bloodletting. Which, as we yeah. know, is definitely a way to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds horrible. He is known today as the man who killed George Washington, <laughs> although unintentionally. 
Do you know how uh, George Washington died? How? Bloodletting. Yeah, he he had like a, a throat infection or something, and this guy <laughs> bled five pints of blood out of him. Oh. And then he's like, oh, shit, he's dead. <laughs> a quick five pints, huh? <laughs> Isn't that a, over a half gallon or no? Uh, no, I think that's no, two it's not. quarts. Yeah, it's two quarts. Oh, but yeah. you can't lose that much blood. No. Especially not as an old man. You no. can't lose that no, much blood. No, that's over half a gallon. No, it's only 32 ounces, right? Well, t- no, two quarts a pint is a 16. You're right. You're right. I so thought a pint four pints eight. is a half gallon, because that would be 64 ounces. But is a gallon 128 ounces? Yes. And not 200 and yes. the next one? Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, that's over a half gallon of blood Mr. Washington was led of. And uh, just because he had a sore throat. Yeah. You know, I got a sore chest. I wonder what they'd do for me. Probably cut your balls off. Tobacco, <laughs> tobacco smoke enema. Yeah. The infection's actually in his balls, but it's in his chest somehow. <laughs> We're just going to jerk you off to death to clear it out. Give him an yes. orgasm. Him. Yes. <laughs> now, the American Medical Association would be established in 1847. It would make becoming a legitimate doctor more difficult but still had plenty of loopholes and workarounds for the frauds. Mm. In 1908, Brinkley was looking for a school to attend to advance his medical studies, and he chose Bennett Eclectic Medical School in Chicago. Listen, one of those words concerns me. <laughs> yes. Uh, school? Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's not even in there. Bennett? <laughs> 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 College. <laughs> Definitely Bennett. <laughs> yep, it's Bennett. Didn't you play for the Bears? Yeah. This was his college, I think. Yes. The Eclectic Medical College. <laughs> now, this was actually, for the most part, a legitimate medical school, but still allowed, as the AMA called it, AMA's American Medical Association, obviously. Old Grandmother and Witch Doctor Treatments. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Yes. Which made the school easier and cheaper than most. Hmm. So, on June 26, 1908, Brinkley would begin his courses... He had to borrow $25 from a loan shark to pay the entry fee. Damn. (laughs) For the next two years, he was a student by day, telegraph operator by night, and for dinner, he would spend 10 cents at Pittsburgh Joe's. That sounds like my kind of place. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Throughout the time, he developed a bit of a drinking problem, Mm. which in Chicago is actually quite common you don't say most claim they had to drink alcohol because of the tainted livestock water from the stockyards Let's, dude, <laughs> they're just describing Salt St. Paul today, even Basically. though the stockyards have been closed Basically. for, Was what, there a 10 years? drinking problem over there? Uh-uh, but that's fucking <laughs> apparently really that's what, gross. Apparently that's what people had, we just go around telling them, like, I have to drink alcohol because the water's poisoned. Well, I mean, that's the Middle Ages, all yeah. throughout Europe, you know? Yeah, they couldn't drink good. water because it was all poop water, mm. so they just had to drink mead and shit. <laughs> Jordan wouldn't mind. No. No. He'd be all right. <laughs> With his burgeoning drinking problem and his nagging wife Sally at home, there we go. Brink- <laughs> Brinkley seemed to lose his motivation and dropped out of college with only one year remaining. <sighs> he claimed it was because he was out of money, but most suspect he was just sick of it. He would abandon his wife and children and disappear for a while, riding the rails and drinking when he could afford it all over the Midwest. Until finally, in February of 1913, at the age of 27, he returned to Chicago, and here he would meet an important figure to really start his quackery. The gentleman was a one-armed man named James Crawford, <laughs> a 23-year-old with a, with similar aspirations as Brinkley. You need two arms to be a doctor. No, dickhead. you don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> you only need one to cup the balls and tell him to cough. Don't disparage one-armed doctors, goddamn. Adam, you're being a real ableist right oh, now. Like He's extra. the best neurosurgeon in the country right now. <laughs> Someone hold this skin flap for me. I can't. <laughs> nurse, nurse. The two would head for Greenville, South Carolina, and devise a new business. The old tonic trick just wasn't cutting it any longer, and a new trick that went along with the advancements in technology was needed. Their business had a huge sign that hung outside the front door that read, 
Greenville Electro Medical Medic Doctors. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now, that's a bunch of words put together. Yeah, it just sounds really good, I guess. Electromedic doctors. This, this sounds like something Mike Pence would have. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Now, prior to setting up this business, Brinkley had to train Crawford on the finer points of being a quack doctor, but he seemed to catch on very quickly. Hmm. The two used their charm to swindle banks into lending them money, then the pharmacists for cheap drugs and supplies, and an elderly couple gave them a sweet deal on mercury pills for depression. <laughs> Excellent. Wait, mercury cures depression? Apparently. Why the it. fuck aren't we all just eating fish out of the uh, Mississippi? <laughs> I think those are radioactive, yeah, Jordan. Uh, they aren't mercury. Well, hey, maybe that'll do something for depression, too. When I was reading well, if they're this, radioactive, I might get superpowers. Mm. When I was reading this, apparently mercury makes your gums bleed mm. when you take it, so, mm-hmm. yeah, don't take it. Did you listen to S-Town? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's a good... It's is good it good? One. Yeah. Is it they involved mercury pills? Yeah. Well, mercury. Oh, yeah. The dude was like, what is it called? Fire gilding or something like that? Yeah. And that's like a super old way in dealing with mercury, and it was just like handling it raw all the time. Mm, no, gross. Ugh. Now, the fad of healing with electricity was starting to gain momentum throughout the country around this time. You may start to see such things such as electric ointments. I don't know how that is a thing. (laughs) Electric hairbrushes, electric corsets, electric belts, or even ads for electric food. (laughs) Fuck me. Fun fact. Thomas A. Edison Jr., creator of the Magno Electric Vitalizer, was arrested for fraud in 1904, but the public just didn't even seem to give a shit, and they Jeez. didn't even care. It's right enough his dad's coattails. <laughs> now, to finalize their business plan, Brinkley told everybody his name was actually Dr. Blakely, and Crawford was <laughs> Dr. Burke. <laughs> and secondly, they began to run ads in the local newspaper that may have read something like, Are you a manly man full of vigor? Ooh, they're really appealing to that mega crowd. (laughs) (coughs) Of course, challenging someone's manhood was enough to bring all sorts of interested customers into their office. Definitely. The process was fairly simple. Once they got a few chums to agree to the treatment, they would be interviewed by Crawford, asking a few simple questions. Then they would be taken into the treatment room, where Brinkley, where Brinkley would inject them with colored water right into their rear ends, and if anybody questioned it, it was a special medicine from Germany. <laughs> now, the boys were forced to leave town by July of 1913, but not because everyone found out they were just scamming people. It was because 40 of their suppliers received nothing but bad checks from the two quack doctors. Ooh, bouncing them. <laughs> so the two headed to Memphis where Crawford said he knew some girls they could stay with. Hell yeah. This is where they met Minerva Talitha Jones, daughter of a prominent physician. One of her favorite pastimes was to go dancing on riverboats. That's on yeah. fun. That sounds like 1913 to me. <laughs> what a harlot dancing on riverboats. <laughs> Showing them ankles. She was 21 years old at the time of meeting Brinkley, and a lot of people would describe her as having a knack for looking glamorous one moment and a gap-tooth hillbilly the next. Either way, Brinkley, he was interested. It's like that Seinfeld episode <laughs> where she looks different in different lighting. <laughs> okay, hold on. Before I say this, Jordan... This might remind you of yourself. <laughs> Just four days after meeting on August 23rd, 1913, the two would be married. <laughs> of course, Brinkley neglected to mention that he was actually still married. Whoa. Got a bigamist on our hands here, boys. <laughs> so he's a Mormon. <laughs> I don't think he has any. Well, yes, he does. We'll talk about it later. To the almighty dollar. The couple headed out west for their honeymoon and had a grand old time. But when they returned to Memphis, a little surprise was waiting for Brinkley. Oh. That was Greenville Sheriff Hendricks Rector. Okay, first off, why does everyone have such goofy names? I don't know. (laughs) Hendricks Rector is an amazing fucking name. Isn't that like a Mega Man 7 boss (laughs) or X7? (laughs) Hendricks Rector. (laughs) 
which in this time period was nothing short of astounding that they actually pursued somebody outside of their own state. Wow. Apparently, all the suppliers began to report the bad checks they were receiving. The duped clientele of the doctors then became enraged, or as a local newspaper put it, they fell victims to the hot air anesthetic which the electric <laughs> medics administered. Hold on, boys. So a $40 bounty was put out oh, for him. Holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Someone's going to have a nice retirement. How did that shit... Why would that sheriff drive all the way there for $40? Apparently because the whole town was fucking furious at him. So he's like, you got to get these guys. Damn. It's old Hendrix Scott. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Hendrix Rector. <laughs> <laughs> so on December 8th, 1913, Brinkley was arrested and placed on a train headed back to Greenville. Of course, Brinkley was telling the police the entire time the scam was all Crawford's idea. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> when he arrived at the Greenville Jail, it also had a catchy nickname, Little Siberia. Oh, was it chilly in there? <laughs> I'll talk about all it. All right. That was because it was nothing more than a shitty little stone building oh. inside the cells. The pillow was placed over one of the windows to help battle the cold, and the other two windows just had bars and would allow any sort of weather to come pouring in, pouring in from the outside. Awful. <laughs> Oof. Awful. So, so Brinkley was charged with forgery and practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> While in custody, he helped give the police information that led to the arrest of his partner Crawford, who at the time was working as a bread salesman in Kansas City. <laughs> what? <laughs> he went from an electric doctor Listen to a bread now. salesman. We got this new thing. It's called white bread. <laughs> we call it a wonder. It's, this, it's the eighth wonder of the modern world. <laughs> we introduced it at the 1893 World's Fair. I feel You're like not going to believe how soft it is. I feel like bread just kind of sells itself. Yeah, like you, you need know, it. Yeah. Door-to-door bread salesman. Oh, but back then, the mothers would make the bread. Oh, right. You can't and buy the bread. Homemade bread is godlike. Way so better than store-bought oh, yeah. bread. Mm. My grandma used to make it so fucking good. Mm. So, they were being held on a $1,000 bond. Now, shockingly, the charges for several bad checks would actually work in the quack's favor... That was because the lawyers were able to consolidate all of the money owed into one lump sum to be paid out that would then free them from jail, mm. which was a couple thousand dollars. Crawford paid the lump sum of it. After getting sold up river. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, I don't think he knows he did that to him, though. Fuck. <laughs> and Brinkley's newfound father-in-law paid a portion of it. On December 31st, they were free men once again. They can ring in the new year. Hell They're going to yeah. go party, I bet. Can you imagine how cold it was in there on December 31st? <laughs> no. With one pillow as uh, insulation? You can't even use your pillow because you got to block the window. <laughs> <sighs> they were in such a hurry to leave, the newspaper wrote this. In their hurry to get out of the city, Brinkley and Crawford left their luggage at the jail. <laughs> they wanted to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yes. So Brinkley and Minnie would be reunited and roam the Midwest for the next few years. It is believed that Brinkley went back to his traveling quack sideshow for money until Brinkley decided he needed to get a medical license. So he bought one. <laughs> <laughs> On May 7th, 1915, the Eclectic Medical University of Kansas City presented Brinkley with a certificate signed by the president of the university, Dr. Date R. Alexander. <laughs> Another great name. <laughs> this medical license costed Brinkley $100, and he was allowed to practice medicine in eight states. Whoa. He would first attempt to set up a GP in Judsona, Arkansas. <laughs> Are, is he allowed to practice in, like, the eight states that have eclectic medical? I don't know. I think it's, like... Arkansas, Kansas, and like all the states around there. Illinois, because they have an real Bible belt. Oh no, no, no! Chicago hates him. Really? He's not allowed there at all. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about him going there later. So he actually had a neat little trick. He would try to stir up business. He'd rent a horse from the stables, quickly gallop out of town, as to appear as if he was on some sort of urgent call but never seemed to be able to get enough business going to stay in this town. Gotcha. He also managed to finalize the divorce with his first wife, oh. so he and Mary would be officially married this time. <laughs> After Arkansas, he went to Kansas City and worked as a... Physician and clerk. 
for a meat packing plant. <laughs> this is where Brinkley <laughs> took. <laughs> Do they not have doctors in every meat packing plant I anymore? I have no idea, <laughs> but that's just fucking funny. I heard a joke once about a guy that kept going to his doctor and he kept prescribing more meat, more meat, more meat. Oh, and then he got colon cancer. And then he just realized <laughs> that uh, he had mistaken the butcher for a doctor because they both wear white coats. <laughs> <laughs> Was he Polish? The Kayak, of course. Hell yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, this is where Brinkley took notice of something that would become very important to his medical work in the near future. That was how the Billy Goats loved to fuck. <laughs> okay. He later said he was intrigued by their considerable lubricity. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that Billy Goats rarely got sick. Now, around this time, Brinkley would have been roughly 31 years old and felt like he needed to take his quackery to another level. I mean, he's past his midlife at this yeah, point. He's yeah. got to get going. He's got to get going. We, can, we need a career going here. He looked at other really famous quacks such as Dr. Albert Abrams of San Francisco, the golden standard for high-level quackery, <laughs> where in 1910 he released his book, Spondylotherapy. <laughs> I said they just make up words. I <laughs> yes, swear to God, yes, man. <laughs> Where he revealed that diseases could be diagnosed and cured by a steady, rapid percussing or hammering of the spine. <laughs> oh, you got a real bad case of the shakes. I got to get the sledgehammer for this one. See, your body never shakes again. You got polio? Let's fix that. <laughs> Soon he created the real static dynamizer. <laughs> Which was basically a box with wires in it. <laughs> he would take a drop of the patient's blood and run the wires to the head of a healthy person who was facing west. <laughs> My God. <laughs> then by tapping on the patient's abdomen, he could not he could not only diagnose the illness, but also tell the person's religion. <laughs> oh, God. So San Francisco at this time, I'm going to say Protestant or Catholic. Oh, my Lord. What if he's like, okay, I think you have a common cold and you are definitely at the Lutheran, sir. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you got it, Doc. So it was a brilliant scam. Yeah. And later, Dr. Abram, Abrams would rent out his equipment to other quack doctors and then just sit back and collect the cash. God, that's my dream. That's why man. he is like, he's up these, these top. Top quack there. That fucking pyramid scheme. That might be an early version of a pyramid scheme, <laughs> yep. So, oddly, in the summer of 1917, Brinkley was drafted by the American Army and worked at Fort Bliss, Texas, just outside of El Paso. Please Re tell me. Please tell me they didn't, like, set him up as an Army doctor. Yeah, they certainly did. Oh, my fucking God, dude. <laughs> Brinkley said this about his time in the Army. <clears throat> I did the work ordinarily required of 10 men. I had 2,208 raw recruits without medical supplies, clothing, or anything else. I was the only medical officer in my day and night trying to get my, my troops vaccinated against typhoid and smallpox, which surprisingly enough is better than big pox, besides looking after the sanitation of the regiment. My raw recruits were coming down with all kinds of infectious diseases <laughs> like measles, meningitis, and besides, I had to do the operating on those that needed surgery no. and treat those I had oh. in quarters, visit my sick ones I had in the hospital, make out my technical reports, and on top of this, about twice a week, I got orders every evening about 6 o'clock to be ready for debarkation the next morning. When you take into consideration... That one lone medical officer was doing all this work. It is no wonder that along in August I broke to pieces and landed in the hospital. How would you feel if you're a fresh recruit in the army, Adam, and this guy's your doctor? Yeah, I'm in a new regiment. I'm in a brand new regiment yeah. getting ready to go slay the Huns. And this guy's my fucking doctor that's coming with me to Europe. Great. Ooh. Oh boy, you seem to be having some brain problems. <laughs> Tell you what, I learned this from someone. Lay down, I'm going to hit your spine with a hammer. Let me hook these wires up to your head, sir. We need to find a healthy person, too. <laughs> Look over that way, sir. You face west. You face east. So, the truth seems to be somewhere in the middle. 
Brinkley was there for two months and 13 days. Mm. He spent more than half of his time in sickbay complaining of... Rectal fistule. <laughs> multiple. Is he just getting ass fisted? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that even means. That's what I... Is that like a hemorrhoid? What is that? It sounds like 2,208 raw recruits are shoving fists up his ass. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. <laughs> and in August, he was given the boot. Down Lighter. To, <laughs> down to his last few dollars... He spotted an ad for the need of a doctor in Milford, Kansas. Minnie and Brinkley arrived in Milford on October 7th, 1917. Funny part was Milford claimed to be a burgeoning town of 2,000, but in reality, it was barely 200 people. While this wasn't the ideal situation, they had to make it work. So Minnie and Brinkley rented two rooms and opened a practice with a small drugstore located inside. Real quick, you know what would be fucking rad? Yeah. Like, back in those days, when the town needs a doctor. And then it's like, oh shit, I'm guaranteed employment if they hire me on as a doctor. Yeah. Now I'm caring for this entire town. <laughs> That's a good goddamn rack. You just mm-hmm. get, and you can just make up shit. Fuck and, yeah. Yeah, just like he did. Just yeah. made up shit Put a wire the in my you've brain. Got, <laughs> you've got swollen toeositis. That's right. We got to smack you. got to cut your leg off. <laughs> We're going to break your spine. We're going to take four <laughs> gallons of blood. Brinkley would even go miles out to make house calls no matter what the weather was. Minnie would work as a midwife. Awesome. Then, on one fateful day, a 46-year-old farmer named Bill Stitzworth showed up at I'm the Bill office. Bill Stitzworth. He told Brinkley, There's something wrong with me. Don't look at me, you wouldn't judge it. I do look husky, don't I? I'm all in, no pep. I'm a flat tire. Ooh. Brinkley told the man he had been searching for a cure for impotence, but seemed to be the toughest thing to fix. It is said that the farmer then replied, Too bad I don't have belly goat nuts. Now, what happened next is something that is up for debate, but in a book that Brinkley had written about himself later on, he said this is what happened. Don't tell me. The doctor half closed his eyes and considered, (laughs) and then he shook his head slowly. The code of ethics his father had drilled into him forever forbade him from any conduct, especially with relation to healing, Except the utterly honest and straightforward. (laughs) Now later on, Stitchworth claimed that Brinkley kept offering him more and more money to submit to the experiment. Well, the experiment, right? Is that what I think it is? We're going to get to it. Hold on a minute. Fuck me, dude. (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) God damn it. God damn it. Keep your human nuts. I know where this is going. Keep your human nuts, Stitzworth. You stupid motherfucker. Either way, they both agreed on it. So Stitzworth was prepped for surgery. And before he was injected with the anesthetic, he noticed two goat testicles laying nicely on a bed of cotton. And then the procedure was performed. Neither man knew exactly what would happen when he placed the goat testicles in his scrotal sack. I, know I feel happen. like it's going to be cramped and uncomfortable. And he's going to have an infection and fucking die because you're not supposed to have goat nuts in your human nut sack. He wants to fuck like a billy goat. Oh my god. For the next two weeks, Brinkley patiently waited to see the results of his work until finally the farmer reappeared to give him the results. And oh boy, did Stitzworth have a big smile on his face. His flaccid penis once again was functioning like a young man. In fact, his wife was so happy, she wanted to have a goat ovary surgery. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And so, this was the beginning of Brinkley's magical goat gland surgery. Oh my god. (laughs) Cody, you you literally made this up. No, this is 100% true, I swear to god. There's no way. It's a hundred percent true. We're just we're just chipping the surface, guys. We're gonna get so fucking crazy over the next three days. Jesus Christ, man. Brinkley had this written in his book later on. Dimly, Brinkley had begun to realize that he was gifted beyond the run of doctors, <laughs> and that a man so blessed could not be bound by the quote jealous sheep ethics of the American <laughs> Medical <laughs> Association. <laughs> fucking sheep. A few weeks after the surgery, 
Brinkley decided to return to Chicago to get a bit more training on surgery practices. <laughs> well, he opened with a showstopper, didn't he? <laughs> but Brinkley, as no big surprise, failed the course. Mm. His teacher said this. His attendance was not regular. And because of his indulgence in alcohol, I admonished him to leave liquor alone and to concentrate on worthwhile endeavors and improve himself as a man and a physician. To which he replied, I have a scheme up my sleeve and the whole world will hear of it. (laughs) Now, as outrageous as a goat testicle surgery sound, it had actually been gaining steam, better known as granular rejuvenation throughout the world. They believe not only were they aiding in one's own sexual strength, but they were recapturing one's youth. Of course. Actually, trying to fix a man's problems with impotence had been plaguing men for a long, long time. The earliest documented attempts began in 1600 BC. Edwin Smith Papyrus of Egypt performed surgeries on one's back where he would find incantation for transforming an old man into a youth of 20. Oh. All right. That's a, that's a mouthful. It's <laughs> a Apparently, if you want to fix a boner, it's in your back. All right. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In 320 BC, in Greece, they used an herb called cetirion. It would be mixed with ginger, cloves, and ass's milk, and it was to be massaged over one's genitals. Mm. It was so popular, they actually picked cetirion into extinction. Damn. Now, I think that means not worldwide, just in Greece. They did. Okay. They picked it okay. there. They did something like that in Rome, too. I can't did remember they? what the fuck it was. But yeah, I think it was for boners as well. <laughs> Jordan, would you try this if we if we did mix this for you? Get, yeah, get asses, it. milk, ginger, cloves, and this flour. It really doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> it, I don't it think it do anything. I think it might burn a bit. Ooh, eh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, the ginger? The ginger would get you. Yeah. In England, around 1000 AD, men were devouring... Love bread, which was made by naked maidens romping in wheat, which had to then be harvested counterclockwise. (laughs) Cody, I just want to say your hand motion when you said counterclockwise. You you went clockwise. (laughs) You went completely clockwise, baby. Thank God nobody can see what we're doing. That's what I had. That's why I had to tell them. (laughs) In the Middle Ages. You would rub melted fat from camel humps on your genitals. (laughs) Either way, as you can see, when a man's unit does not work as it is supposed to, people will try almost anything. Hey. Yes. Let me tell you something. Mm. Just relax, you know? Yeah. Just relax. You'll get a boner if you just relax. We we have, like, legitimate cures now, so you don't really have to worry about rubbing camel fat on your balls or anything. People get too worked up. Mm. You'll get a boner. You'll get a boner. Mm. You'll get a boner. Mm. If you can get a boner alone, you can get a boner with a girl. I say, think of Sidney Poitier. That's what I say. Perfect. (laughs) I like to think of Sidney Crosby (laughs) and his fucked up jockstrap. It gets me every time. (laughs) Look up Sidney Crosby's jockstrap when you get it. It's, it's fucking disgusting. He's had it since he was in Pee Wee's. And he uses the same. Really? Room. That's his good luck jockstrap. It's so gross. Oh, it's so fucking gross. Ugh. The father of granular rejuvenation is believed to have been created by a man named Charles Edward Brown Squard. Whoa. A mutton chop physiologist and former Harvard professor who, after he retired, had went into somewhat seclusion past 70. Irritable impotent, suffering from gastrointestinal Mm. troubles, and plagued by urinary disturbances. So he's older than 70, (laughs) he's kind of crotchety, can't get a boner and farts a lot, and has trouble peeing. Sounds Sounds like like a a normal, yeah, sounds like a normal fucking (laughs) 70-year-old. He set up a small private lab in Paris to do research. When he finally came out on July 1st, 1889, he proclaimed he had defeated Father Time himself. By injecting himself with a mixture of dog and guinea pig testicles. Oh, Did he puree them? He Yeah, he made a little, like, um, emulsion. And then he injected <laughs> yeah, himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. He made a fucking Are emulsion. You yes. <laughs> Whipped him up. Jesus. <laughs> he said, All has changed, and I have regained the full force that I possessed in my dick, probably. Which means his sexual potency and the power of defecation returned once again. He's he's cracking porcelain with his shit, sir. He can shit like a young man again. He's jerking and shitting all day long, baby. 
Obviously, he would begin to sell his magical serum, and that just brought out even more people with their own versions of the cure. So, is his dog and guinea pig testicle serum just okay. like peanut okay. butter mixed with some milk? Okay, uh, hold on. A guinea pig's testicle has to be like a little a chiclet, a little yeah. tiny little fucker. You had to harvest a lot of nuts to get <laughs> get your emulsion. You know, they, you did tr- that, they did that with my dad, kind of. Not with that. Not with, with guinea pig testicles? With the tail of his pancreas. Oh, yeah. They made it emulsion Grind and fucking up. put it in his liver. So that way his liver could do See, that's duty. like a smart hmm. thing. Putting other animals' balls in yourself, probably not the We gotta start somewhere, right? That's and true. Maybe that's where maybe that's where they got the idea for the pancreas thing. <laughs> so, such as local druggists who created spermin that consisted of <laughs> semen, calf's heart, calf's liver, both <laughs> testicles, plus the unspecified gleanings from the surface of anatomical specimens kept in kept under alcohol. Mm. Of course, it was promoted as having the same effects as Dr. Brown's squards mixture. <laughs> Soon followed the belief that mixing the glands up into an emulsion was simply not strong enough, and it gave birth to even more drastic attempts to enhance the use of glands. There was one man named Dr. G. Frank Lidstrin who decided to take a bit more of an extreme approach. One man who visited Lindstrom said this. We chatted for a moment, and then he said, Put your hand in here and feel. He had opened his coat and shirt, and he directed my hand to the side of his ribs. On each side, I felt six or more nodules. I asked him what they were. Testicles, he said. In an effort to rejuvenate himself, he had transplanted under his skin testicular tissue obtained from bodies. What the fuck is wrong with people in this time period? Oh my god. So everyone says something about Marilyn Manson. This guy... This guy he is took real. It, yeah, he's, he's got six nuts. He's got six nuts on his rib cages. I'm <sighs> disgusted. I can't believe I read that, to be honest. I, we should probably... I should have probably warned people that there's going to be so much testicle talk during all of this. It's just lots of testicles. Listen, everyone has them. It, <laughs> yes. It's a ball-happy episode. That's right. Everyone's got them. Naturally, Lindstrom believed that animal testicles were simply not as strong as human testicles. Of course. So you're probably wondering, how does one come to acquire human testicles? Well, Lindstrom set up a nice little deal with the San Quentin prison in California. Shout out Erlon. <laughs> they would generally do three to four hangings in a year, and he would purchase the testicles from the hanged prisoners. Wow. I feel like that's illegal. Did he Not, get them from their, like, family? Did he pay their families, no, or did he, he have to he pay No, he paid, like, the, the local doctor in the prison or whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> he paid a guard to, like, cut him yeah. off. Fuck me. Freshly hung person, he just takes his balls. Fuck me. <laughs> While Lindstrom did start testing his experiments on himself, he would then begin performing gland surgeries on the convicts within the prison, and apparently some showed improvement, such as 72-year-old Mark Williams... Half senile at the time of the implant, perked up within five days, and could even understand a joke. Ooh. All right, so there's something behind this nut science. He's like, holy shit, he understands my jokes holy now. Holy shit, he can knock-knock with me. <laughs> <laughs> As Lindstrom's experiments furthered, he claimed it turned his, his gray hair into youthful black once again, and in certain criminals, it would pacify or even cure their senile minds. Nice! In the end, Lindstrom would experiment on 643 inmates and 13 physicians. 13 this man, doctors. He committed crimes against humanity. <laughs> 13 doctors let him do him. Well, I suppose they saw, like, he was getting all these balls put in him. He's like, I give us the balls. Yeah, we too. need some balls, too, dude. <laughs> Don't hoard all the balls. Give us the balls. With people beginning to take notice of Lindstrom's work, it gave birth to even more people wanting to dive into the granular experiments. Another doctor who found interest in granular research was Dr. Sergei Voronov, who was a Russian but worked at the College de France. He claimed one of his first interests in granular research took place when he was in Egypt attending to some eunuchs. (laughs) (laughs) He said... They were a fat and sticky lot. (laughs) The hair grows white at an early age, and it is rare for them to attain old age. Are these disastrous effects directly due to the absence of testicles? What do you think, Jorn? I I don't know what to think right <laughs> now, to be quite honest. What the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? These eunuchs, because I, they don't... 
No, I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything so far. Oh, yeah, I'm, yes. well, I'm going to be so confused the, at the end of this. Three weeks from now, Jordan, your mind is going to be fucking blown. I can tell you that much. I'm going to want nuts all over me at some point. <laughs> now, Sergey claimed his first experiments included inserting lamb's testicles <laughs> into an elderly ram and soon found out that the old ram's sex drive magically reappeared. Wow. Now, his chosen animal testicles were a bit different than most people, he said. I dare assert that the monkey is superior to man by the sturdiness of its body, the quality of its organs, and the absence of those defects, hereditary and acquired, with which the main part of mankind is afflicted. I love Jordan's face when he just heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Monkeys are superior to man. In 1914, Sergei's first experiment on a human was when he grafted a thyroid gland from a monkey (laughs) and put it into a boy who was an idiot. (laughs) After the the surgery, Sergei said, The boy was in a normal condition and found fit for the army. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I love Sergei. Thyroid gland from a monkey. (laughs) With this, Sergei continued his work with monkey glands and began to believe that, with his newly found cure-all, anyone could easily live up to 150 years old, or he believes so. So did he do any of this to himself? Yeah, he, remember, or wait, no, I don't know. That was the other guy who had, like. I don't know if he did or not. Another big star in the granular rejuvenation scene was Dr. Eugene Steinick of Vienna. <laughs> His beliefs were slightly different than the others. He first experimented on rats and concluded that youth could be recovered by litigation of the vas. A vasectomy. Yeah. He theorized that the secretions associated with ejaculation <laughs> dammed up would flow backwards throughout the body creating a sort of masculine greenhouse effect. If anybody's wondering, it later showed that unexpended semen simply dissipates through your yes, urine. Yes, so. or absorbs back into your body. That's <laughs> right. it. But Eugene claimed after having a vasectomy, one's youth could be recaptured. He reported such things as hair growth, improved eyesight, and curing many of the diseases that plagued humanity. Hmm. Either way, as you can see... Perhaps Brinkley didn't have his own flash of genius, but may have just stolen the idea of granular surgery and simply expounded upon it himself. Either way, the news was gaining traction of Brinkley's breakthrough in the goat testicle surgery. <laughs> People were interested, and Brinkley would need need a larger building. So in August of 1918, he opened a 16-room clinic in Milford, Kansas. He's Fuck. moving on up. Some he- might say to the east side. <laughs> oh. Of Milford. He called it the Brinkley Institute of Health. It housed, according to the promotional pamphlet, the Brinkley Jones Hospital, Brinkley Jones and Associates, the Brinkley Research Laboratories, and the Brinkley Training School for Nurses. Well, listen, I'm glad to see this guy is super humble. Is Brinkley Jones and Associates, is that like a law firm? It doesn't even say. Did Dr. Brinkley fuck up your surgery? Come see Brinkley Jones and Associates. (laughs) I'll sue Brinkley for everything he's got. The rooms in the hospital were paneled in mahogany and cicerone walnut. The wallpaper was sky blue. Oddly enough, because of the epidemic of Spanish flu sweeping the nation, Brinkley seemed to have a cure for that as well. One of his aides said, The doc seemed to have an uncanny knack with the flu. (laughs) Maybe it was something he learned as a boy in the North Carolina mountains. I don't know, but whatever it was, it worked. (laughs) Probably black strap molasses. Mm, Good call, Jordan. Ironically, he would treat the soldiers at nearby Fort Riley. Please no. He would also go farm to farm and help everyone with the flu outbreak in his 1914 Ford. His personal driver, Tom Woodbury, said he was a wonderful doctor. He lost only one patient during the flu (laughs) epidemic, and he doctored all around. Technically, that was good. One person out of all these people dead, that's pretty good. It's not not bad. bad. When there was a coal shortage that winter that made suffering even worse, Brinkley led a petition to the governor demanding emergency allocations for flu victims. Now, while this all makes it sound like how could Brinkley possibly be a bad person, and by all accounts, he was doing things to help people, but many believe the reason he actually did this was 
publicity. Of course. Listen, a humble man like Brinkley, no. I don't believe it. <laughs> Get yourself out there, man. Making yourself seem like a saint who just wants to help people will certainly bring more clientele to the front doors of your hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, shortly after his newly found clinic opened, he received even more publicity when his first patient, Mr. Sitzworth, had impregnated his wife, who had the goat ovary surgery herself, and Damn. gave birth to a healthy baby boy they named Billy. <laughs> oh, God damn it. After the goat. Are you kidding me? Listen, no. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he actually didn't swap out any of their shit, and it's all a placebo it effect. Has to be. We're going to, on, on part two, we're going to get into what he's actually doing to people. Okay. So you got to wait for part okay. two. Okay. A big newspaper did a spread on him, which included a photo of Dr. Brinkley holding the infant boy and smiling together. The caption read, Dr. John R. Brinkley, a surgeon, has startled the scientific world by transplanting goat glands to men and women as a means of restoring oh, a lost heritage. Yeah, can you imagine reading that in fucking newspaper? No. Oh my god. No, that's dirty. <laughs> Soon, with even more people being exposed to the benefits of the surgery, it caused a huge wave of female clientele to head over to Milford thanks to Mrs. Stitzworth's goat ovary surgery. Brinkley hit a stroke of genius and opened a new side business, promoting it as a fertility enhancer, <laughs> wrinkle reducer, and even a bus developer. Oh, oh. big titties, man. <laughs> them goat, them big goat old sweater ovaries. muffins. Get your big breasts, apparently. <laughs> Obviously, his bread and butter, the goat testicle surgery, received a significant amount of attention as well. I hope so. Feeding into the fears of males... But curing impotence was not the only thing his surgery could do. It also cured mental illness as well. Oh, guys, I got to go get me some uh, goat testes. (laughs) Brinkley stated a case of helping a deranged boy who... Had been told finally that he was incurable and must remain a mental defective. He had decided to commit suicide if I failed to remedy his condition. In 36 hours after the insertion of the goat glands at... This patient's temperature had risen to above 103 degrees, but became normal 24 hours later, and has since remained so. His mind has gradually cleared, he looks and feels younger, and is contemplating marriage. (laughs) The hideous dreams and nightmares which had destroyed his sleep and rest all his past life have left him. My second case of insanity... Caused this time by excessive masturbation, <laughs> was a young bank clerk brought to me from a state institution. Jesus, they put they locked him up for jerking it too much. Yeah. Gladly, oh my god. Following gland transplantation, his mind cleared completely, and he is now head of a large banking institution. Wow. Chronic masturbator to head of a large banking institution. And that man's his name? J.P. Morgan. He's oh. now the head of Brinkley Banks. <laughs> Brinkley Banks and Associates. It just has like a hand doing this on the fucking Wait, logo. Brinkley Security Trucks too, right? <laughs> All these Brinks. <laughs> Brinks. It could be a descendant. Of yeah. As Brinkley continued to perform his goat gland surgery, he soon discovered it cured even more ailments. Up to this point, he had discovered 27 new illnesses it cured, such such problems ranging from emphysema to flatulence. My grandma could still be alive today. (laughs) And uh, flatulence. Does anybody have flatulence? Well, if anyone listened to last week's, or, well, actually... This week's, today's. today's Between the Bumbles, yeah. you you definitely heard Adam have some flatulence. <laughs> You're getting some goat balls, I'll oh, tell you yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. His surgeries were hovering at about a 95% success rate, but made sure to inform people it, le- it worked less well on, quote, stupid times. <laughs> <laughs> With Brinkley's success growing across the country, it obviously brought on attention he didn't want as well. Right. And that attention was from the American Medical Association. The outlandish claims of goat testicles and ovaries working as a cure-all forced the American Medical Association to send a private detective to investigate the clinic for themselves and see if there was any validity to the claims of the magical goat gland surgery. Well, I think they're about to be in for a shocker when it works. Well, guess what, Jordan? You gotta wait till next week to find out. God damn it, Cody. That's it. 
You gotta wait to see what the detective uh, finds next week. So this is the best episode we've ever done. You like? I this? fucking yeah. love this, yeah, this so much. Jordan, you looked in shock the whole fucking episode. No, I I think I just looked uh, disappointed. Actually, no, it was a bit of shock that this shit actually happened. <laughs> this well, is gonna be a killer episode. I'm. I promise everybody. He only gets crazier. I'm so excited. He only gets crazier. I I'm promise. So We're on the fucking come up now, boys. But oh. can you imagine? I because I literally found this book at a uh, half price books. Hmm. Right. I and fucking I, love half price books. Uh, Midway. Uh, I think it was in uh, Highland. Yeah, on mm-hmm. Ford Parkway. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I, I, the cover doesn't. Really, it just says charlatans or something. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I love con men or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting into reading the book, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> then I hear the goat ball thing, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then there's literally a picture of a goat on the cover, and it all makes sense yeah. then. So, so luck. So you had the same reactions we're having. Yes. Yes, because that's got to be nice to be able to see and validate. I was reading, I'm like, oh my god, this will be a brilliant saga for Bumblebow Podcast. Oh. This is a killer. This is a killer. And <laughs> this I've might be heard... the one that finally gets us some ad money. Ooh, ad okay. money. As long as it's for goat ball surgery, yeah, I'm no fine shit. with it. I mean, <laughs> I'm willing to subject myself. <laughs> Would you let him weird. inject you with balls, goat balls? Just the puree. I wouldn't mm, let yeah. him go with the full replacement. Or <laughs> yeah. Put them on my ribs. I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> oh, that we're see. You got to remember, guys. We're going to be talk focusing on Brinkley, but the doctors I talked about, the other ones, they keep reappearing Good. throughout this. Of course they do. So Good. I need some more Sergey because they I need all some ki- more Vienna man. They all kind of like collide together and like who's the ball master doctor of the world? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. If you think you're the ball master of the world. Email us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. We all have personal Instagrams as well. Mine is at bumbleadam. Jordan's is at j.j.fox. Scream. And Cody's is at Cody Zbub. Mm. That is C-O-D-Y-Z-E-B-U-B like Beelzebub, but mm. with Cody's name first. Mm-hmm. Cody, that was a, a fantastic journey. I'm super glad you walked us down that path. Mm, thank you. Full of twists and turns. Full of fun. <laughs> full of balls, really. Lots of balls. I am so excited for the just batshit craziness that's about to happen. You're going to really enjoy his drunken a- antics next week, oh, Jordan. Is it going to remind me of myself? <laughs> yes. That's right. Is. He's a boozeaholic, too, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, that starts to appear. We're going to start getting into like the darker side of Dr. Brinkley next week. So. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been Adam. That's been Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. And that's been Cody, Master Storyteller. Find him on WhatsApp. That's Cody. Don't find me on there. Find Cody (laughs) on WhatsApp right now because it's a problem. Uh, uh, All right, that's going to do it. So, everybody, thank you very much. And have a nice weekend unless it's Tuesday. I I don't know what to say here. I'm sorry, people. I've disappointed you for a second. balls on your mind.